0: I like hearing more stories rather than telling them so if you if you'd like why my suspicion it's I like I like prodding questions and hearing the very different experiences well I'll tell you what we do we talk
1: about Uh from our experiences so my experience of being in Kenya Uh your experience and then yours of SA Uh because I was going to move to SA but I chose Kenya Uh because Kenya is more tropical Oh, yeah. ah. and I like that climate uh-huh. and stuff like that uh-huh. mm. And things like that, you know uh-huh. So okay, well, How long have you been here in England?
2: I've been here for five years now I came here to study my master's And then I stayed to work in tech
0: mm. ah. Okay, myself, I also I came to study I came in 2017 to do a PhD and oh. I'm just a recently awarded doctor in, okay. uh, in security studies.
1: Okay. Yeah. And that's needed back in Kenya as well. Yeah, skills.
0: I would say the same it's needed, but also the point is asking my question, what do I have to offer? I have seen our society not benefit from the knowledge that it has and the system that have it has developed. If I can give you just a very simple example mm-hmm. from my experience, I was studying this part of the country that's very remote, Northern Kenya, you probably know about it. Madeira? You know Garissa, yeah, no, Garissa, yeah. and yeah, um, yeah, and the Siolo, yes. But, but, but it's been seen for a very long time as a very insecure, region, which it is, uh, no doubt about it, but one of the things, uh, everybody goes there, tries to profile solutions that you're so insecure, let's manage security for you. And as we speak right now, the government is there militarily, but one of the things I noted is that nobody stops and asks, okay, first of all, how are still people there, right? Because if you took like what you call the Hobbesian way of looking at life if things are so nasty and brutish then you wouldn't expect people but there are people who live there who live under that constant insecurity and violence but one way or another they still manage mm. right so that was my question like how do they still manage it like how do they go about and oh, i noted that they manage their own security mm. and they get their own solutions but nobody is there asking them you know why how do you do it and the people i was talking to i talked to so many people and they were saying you are actually the first one who is actually asking that question to us mm. probably by coincidence but also they probably didn't know that they have some organized system amongst themselves so if i am to contribute something back at home i think that is what is needed right um but can, can yeah. that, that's really
1: interesting what you said there, my friend? Because yeah. my first thing would say, mm-hmm. I would ask them is, do you feel that you live in insecurity? Because yeah. that's their life. I I was took up there with a Merrill man. Yeah, yeah, and um, mm-hmm. they were going to build a hotel. Mm-hmm. He's an architect. He's going to build a. Design a hotel mm. for this man is a Sambo man from, mm. Mar- from Mars a bit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I pointed out to him, I noticed when we was at the ATM, mm-hmm. no one had a, there's no security guard there with a gun. Mm-hmm. No, know, usually a soldier, as mm-hmm. they call it. Mm-hmm. And he said, Why do you need a soldier when everyone has a gun? And I looked around and I thought, yeah, it's true, everybody either has a gun or a spear or a shield or a sword or something, mm. some weapon. Yes. All the boys, all the males, the yes. women stood within their yeah. area of the compound, mm. never go further than the men went. Mm. But so they probably don't see it as in insecurity. Mm-hmm. in my eyes. Mm. It's just that the government, probably who wants to rule them, Yeah sees it as insecurity as in he can't manage them Uh but one thing this guy told me because he was in connection with a lot of the politicians Uh and he said the government just allows you know they give the the uh, military jackets out yes yes and you get the Uh corporal and that's just depending on where you are in your tribe Uh to what stripes you get And then the military know who to talk to Mm -hmm. if there's a problem in the area but they give them some guns and they check it and say just look after your area Mm. and it's an easier way Mm -hmm. because if they have tribal fighting and stuff Mm. they don't really need to go send their own people in. they just know who to talk to yes do you see what i mean so it's Mm. easy way and they they also keep obviously sudanese and bandits and all of those people out the way Mm. so Mm. it was kind of thing I just saw it that the government just wants to implement their way of life there because also there's natural resources mm-hmm. and that but, but before that they're not interested mm-hmm. I don't know how you see that
0: you know actually it's very interesting my fear was smiling because I think you asked the question that I actually asked and the, that man's experience is what I actually had you know going and getting interested in studying the region. Because I went for similar meetings and I would notice everybody has a gun, both the both the security, that is the state security, and the locals who also had there, they were also armed as well. Mm. And they were all sitting side by side. Mm. And that was the first point I actually asked, well, what, what is actually going on in here, right? Where you come, and you and the police are both armed. It was totally different from what I grew up knowing, right, or seeing. I couldn't, you couldn't be armed near a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. Because you'd be considered illegally armed, right? Mm-hmm. So that is what I asked. And I know I asked myself. But even when I started the research, I actually started by asking. I had this incredible professor and who helped me shape the questions. And the first question is actually exactly what you asked, you know what makes you feel insecure Mm. you know i didn't come there saying that i am seeing conflict around you do you feel insecure or whatever and i didn't go assuming that they're insecure in the first place i wanted to start on a clean slate right what makes you feel insecure and what was so amazing it's it's less of what we already know but very unique experiences of what makes people feel insecure and who protects them is less of the government and who we know as the traditional providers of security but people amongst themselves you know but if you ask them where they go they'll tell you we also go to the police but those police are never even effective right so usually the people who end up sorting our issues are the you know the, they call them warani. They are the Waranis among themselves who are just youth and elders, you know, who are mutually connected to their situation, you know, mm-hmm. who know what I'm experiencing. You know, for them, cattle or raising cattle is their way of life. Mm-hmm. So the most thing that is at the core is having this secured, you know, their livelihood secured. And anybody who doesn't value that will obviously miss that, you know, because the people who externally think that their problems are housing or lack of food, you know, often end up missing the point. And they would say, you know what, if I lose this animal to, oh, they have also the problem of cattle rustling, that is stealing of cattle. If I end up losing the cattle that I have to somebody else, it means I'm instantly, poor is like wiping my bank account clean Mm -hmm. right (laughs) i i won't have any form of livelihood after that so Mm -hmm. the people who realize that are the ones who were more effective in responding to their situation you know i've seen it like you wanted to say something
2: Uh. oh no i was just it was interesting to see Mm -hmm. the differences in the responses between men and women Mm -hmm. in terms of that security question Mm -hmm. Um, and i i was always I think you were also surprised to see yes. how sometimes the woman would be like, uh, What makes me feel insecure is my husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and so and wait,
1: you both went to Kenya to do the. No, interview. no, no. She
0: was sitting next to me when I was studying everything.
1: Oh, over Zoom? You did it over Zoom or something? Yeah, yeah, yes. In the yeah. height of
0: COVID. Yeah, it Tell him a bit about Yeah, it was. I, I had planned just to leave before COVID hit, but there were some delays and. I ended up being caught, caught up in the restrictions, travel restrictions. I couldn't travel basically, Mm -hmm. but I said, you know, that won't stop me from doing my studies. Mm -hmm. And I devised this way, you know, what you call like a digital ethnography, because my study was essentially ethnographic and I would, you know, I would talk to people like, and immerse myself in that environment. And of course, not being able to travel, I couldn't do that. But I found a way of doing essentially the same thing without necessarily losing the, you know, the quality and way of doing things, you know, ethnographically. But in any case, one of the things I I noted when I was interviewing women, and they were still able to connect and talk to me, was that um, there was this lady, yeah, over Zoom, yeah, there was this lady who was. I asked her, you know, what makes you feel insecure? She said that. Of course, she had a, a lot of things and she she stumbled and said, oh, you know, even sometimes I can be coming out of my work and then I go and get my husband beat me. And I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> beat you like, yeah. Yeah, and I asked her, you know, doesn't that violence seem to concern you? No, no, She said, no, actually, you know, sometimes us as women, we need to be beaten a little bit, right? Uh, but my
1: glance is the same thing. He says, when a woman doesn't know to shut her mouth, that's when she needs a slap. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. Which is, oh. uh, you <laughs> know, it—it <laughs> I, I, it was <laughs> jaw dropping, you know, in so many ways. But yeah, it's—it's it's those things that you know you go with a preconceived idea that, mm. you know, this is what these people are struggling with. But you know, without asking, you know, you can end up, you know, totally, mm. you know diagnosing the problem in a very different way right
1: but the interesting thing is uh-huh. with that older generation uh-huh. is that the women not they may not 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 to say they're right to accept the violence uh-huh. but they can acknowledge that at times they're unre- unreasonable in the relationship when it comes to just going off verbally if you see what i mean uh-huh.
0: could you elaborate more? all right uh-huh. so what i'm
1: saying is if you hear what that woman said to you, yes. she said at times a woman needs that.
0: Mm. Now
1: I'm not saying that's right, yeah. but what I am saying is that she's saying that at times we can be unreasonable verbally, mm. do you see what I mean? Yeah. She can acknowledge that, mm. where 100% nowadays 100%. you don't have that, you don't have yeah. any acknowledgement Yes. That, okay at times I can be unreasonable, mm. it's just like if I was a drinker I could say yeah at times I am terrible when I come home drunk, Yeah. I cause yeah. problems. Mm. Yeah, there's a reason my wife hit me with a frying pan. Yeah, that kind of thing, you know. So, what was your conclusion for your dissertation, your PhD? So that
0: sounds very interesting. It's many things, but let me say several of them stood for me, and I think it's applicable in very many situations. Is that I think talking to people and really not going with some sense of preconceived notion of mm-hmm. people's experience. Sort of like humbling yourself and, you know, for a moment telling yourself you actually don't know, mm-hmm. let me hear from this person what mm-hmm. they, you know, what what their life is and what they are experiencing. Is mm-hmm. it's, it's called to any trying to understand this, the reality that is, you know, that is that people face, right? Mm-hmm. And the second one is that that knowledge uh, at least from our African point of view is that for a very long time we have relied on other people outsiders telling either what we should do or what is our own problem and uh, how to solve our own things but that but we haven't And as a result of that, we tend to see solution in other people's eyes, Mm. rather than what is actually really within us, like uh, the strength we do have, Mm. the knowledge that we do have, and the solutions are essentially, you know, probably within us. And whatever we experience and however we deal with things, they are worth and they have meaning, Mm. right? This, living in this society I've seen is that, you know, They probably had their own chance of experimenting and dealing with their own challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And they shaped the society the way they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But for colonized society or societies that have been, uh, you know, interfered with by other contexts, they do not necessarily have that. You know, like our own religion, we are told our own religion is inferior, right? But we already had our own religion and system that was... You know mm. that was there even before everybody else came right mm. and it's worthy right yeah. how we organize ourselves in our society is also it's just that we haven't studied it and we haven't maybe put a logical frame to it and how it mm. operates and mm. consider it as knowledge and as mm. as something that has meaning right mm. uh, and solution to our own problems yeah
1: there's a story um about afghanistan and the American, mm-hmm. true story, the American mm-hmm. is talking to the this Afghan mm-hmm. man and mm-hmm. the American general says, I'm going to go down there, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them that we can give, build them schools and mm-hmm. do this and do that mm-hmm. and this man says, no stop, mm-hmm. what you're going to do, you're going to come to the top of the hill, mm-hmm. and look down on the city mm-hmm. and, uh, and let them see you and mm-hmm. then if they want to, they mm-hmm. will come out and greet you Yeah and then if they want to, they will invite you in, mm. and if they want you, they will give you tea, so they do the sure thing where they everyone drinks tea, mm. and then you will be quiet, mm. and you will listen and they will talk to you, mm. and if they want to, they will tell you what problems they have, mm. and see if you can help them. Mm. But if they don't need your help, they won't tell you. Anything. They won't tell. And that's a whole different thing. But the American general was like, "Yeah, we go down there. Mm. We can build schools. We can make sure girls can go to school and they don't have to cover their head." Yeah. So, no, no, no. You got to hear what they have to say. So it's, it resonates what you're saying uh, into me. Uh, one thing I was gonna. One thing that struck struck me when I was in South Africa, uh, as well as Kenya, uh, is that we're obviously I'm Caribbean. So we're all at different stages of dealing with colonization and obviously my thing is the whole slave thing Uh and basically from what I'm getting from you is it's really about adapting to a new regime Uh because it takes hundreds of years to really adapt Uh and we see that now because SA is the last country Uh to really be on their own now. Yes. Within reason even though you haven't thrown out all the problem people which I said I think you should have Yeah, because the Europeans do it mm-hmm. when they go to the Second World War First World War they hang everybody who was in the Nazis mm-hmm. do you see know what I mean? they remove them from the system take all their wealth and all that but that's another subject so we're at different stages we had to be adapted in English ways because we didn't have any choice through slavery mm-hmm. but Kenya and SA you lot of different tribes and got thrust together and now you're having to handle that and you can see with SA where you, how you're handling it now because you're going through argumentatively what you could say the bit of a well I'd say the whole of Africa for reasons like a dark ages period and the reason why I say that I don't say it in a belittling sense I say it in a sense that when the Romans left England you know when Christ was on the earth it took them 700 years to get their act together so there's when people look at us as black countries around the world and say, well, you should be doing it within a, a generation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, how does that make sense?
2: No. I think that's uh, very insightful what you've said. And I'm also always reminded about the fact that it's next year in 2024, that the South African democracy is 30 years old. So it's only in 1994 that my grandmother my mother my granny could all of them could go and vote for the first time Uh, my grandmother was 90 at that time and when you think about that i mean people who 30 years old you barely know who you are if you think about even just a human lifetime it's really not that long and in the fullness of time three decades when humans have been around for millennia and millions of years it's just it's a really small amount of time to have your act together so while obviously I'm disappointed I wish we were further I wish we were you know things were working out a lot better I do think that it's the growing pains of development and of kind of building a state that is strong that is inclusive and that is representative of that dream that we had of a rainbow nation it's a beautiful dream it's a different aspirational it's a beautiful vision that i still really do believe in but obviously the realities of making that come alive it's much more difficult it's not just about a snapshot and like making sure every race gender religion sexual orientation is represented you actually have to make sure there's equity in the society and that means you have to empower everybody and you have to make sure that things are fair. And um, to your point about, you know, casting some people out, I think with our Truth and Reconciliation Commission, that was a very powerful process to help us with healing, but there's still a lot of work to be done for people to recognize the privileges they have, unfairly so.
0: I think one of the things that having studied, you know, building of states, you know, and how states are formed is that sometimes we think that we can short circuit ourselves to prosperity or you know to a very advanced form of life but even if you look at how societies have progressed you say it you know in your experience in your example you know it took 700 years like if you take europe for instance even in england for instance they took half uh, they took more double the time like the u.s took you know to develop to where they are mm-hmm. In part because they are also able to, you know, what you call like leapfrogging, Mm -hmm. you know, challenges, and even what like for instance our continent is doing. We don't need to, for instance, ensure that we build a, you know, a telephone line for Mm -hmm. every house, right? Because you know that technology has it's obsolete. It's obsolete, and we are moving into a more, more mobile technology, and that's why Kenya, I think, you experience when you are there, you know, it's advanced on that front, but. All these things also have to go in harmony with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we have a mobile phone system, we are still dealing with issues of identity, you know, ethnically consolidating ourselves, and these things take time, you know? So we will fight for probably some time to come. Our last violence that we had, major violence, was in 2008. South Africa, it was, you know, apartheid system and a whole lot of other states you know even the ones that are going through conflict right now you know they are still having those conversations then they'll never short circuit themselves out of that you Mm -hmm. know they will in one way or another experience it it might maybe be lesser more intense but you probably still have to go through that process you know in order to realize you know what we can live differently apart from using violence. Although it's violence that I've led you to, you know, to ask that question in the first place.
1: Well, sadly, you could say, I'm ex-military, so I say sadly, but I just see it as a way of thing of life, is that, sorry, at the end of the day, it's like, how do I put it? You do need a certain element of violence to get things together. You do. Especially when you're thrusting different people together mm-hmm. because at the end of the day like obviously we know about xenophobia mm-hmm. and you know, you know you two are a happily grounded couple mm-hmm. but the question is if you don't live in England where would you live? Because mm-hmm. you know as well as I do in Kenya you have your problems every four years when it comes to elections Yes, and it depends on what side you're on yep. is how it's gonna go. Yeah, You know mm-hmm. and the liberals have been vying for their, you know, their piece of the pie. But however long, even if the leader is not the best man now, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's on his deathbed. one well, of Yeah. It's yeah. Just sure. yeah. Uh, so it's that case. But back to you said something about Rainbow Nation.
2: Uh,
1: I don't. I can't. I don't really agree with that. Uh, and reason why is like, think of this: you have a party, you're having a party, or you come home, and then some people just invaded your house. And now they, they're gonna and they decide they wanna have a party and you can't stay in your bed and they're doing all this thing. And then you, you finally get your bedroom back. You don't even get your bedroom back. They just say, alright, we're gonna chill out, But And they say, and then you say, Well you can stay in now, even though your gate crash caused a mess and you know, done all this and done all that. Do you see what I mean? It's like you've kind of got a Brazil had it where they just shut the doors for what is it, fifty years or thirty years or something? To the, to the rest of the world and just sort themselves out. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And the problem is where you've still got Western powers still trying to manipulate your governments and doing all these things. I don't think having a rainbow nation is going to help the masses of people. Because it's the same people who cause problems in the first place that you're still trying to include. So it's like a cancer. Instead of uh, cutting the cancer out, they're saying, "Ah, well, maybe we can just leave it and it will get better on its own. No, they've proven over time they're not going to get better. Mm. Do you see what I mean?
2: I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I think maybe to just emphasize or qualify, say the Rainbow Nation is a beautiful vision and an aspiration that we work to. And how we get there, there's definitely difficulties on the way. There's definitely a lot of work of how do you square the circle, how do you actually, hopefully non violent ways, and sometimes they will be violence, as we saw last July in, in my mm-hmm. country. How do you, how do you make sure you get there in the best way possible? But it's an aspiration. It's not the reality. And even if we wanted to paint that picture that that is, that is reality, it's not. Mm-hmm. And there, there does need to be a level of like accountability. There does need, They do need to be apologies. There does need to be a recognition of the issues and to say, actually, how are we going to fix it and Mm. fix it like together. So I Mm. think that's, so I'm just saying, I'm not Mm. definitely saying that, look, it's like, we just let everything go or we just kind of act like nothing happened or you accept the inequality and the Mm. issues that happen. No, but I don't see if sustainable future where we don't find a way to do it together.
1: I think things have to get bad before they get good. And that's the cutting out of the cancer. I'll give you an example. And you can vouch for this, my friend. Mm-hmm. In all our countries of origin, even though Jamaica's not a country of origin, it's a place of where we're taken to, the people who own the land en masse is not necessarily us. Even in Kenya where you got mere Mount Kenya. Yeah. Look how much the British there. Uh-huh. There are leagues of land. Yeah. SA speaks for itself. The yeah. Caribbean certainly speaks for itself in that. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So we're always gonna be in that position of being the underdog. Uh, Do you understand? So it's being nice to somebody who won't give you back your car. Uh-huh. Or won't leave your house. Uh, it's not going to work because it, you know how it's. We know it's not going to work because they never allow it when they have a when they have a fight with their neighbours, uh, whether it's World War One, World War uh, Two, the, the Jewish, the concentration camps, the Boer wars, all those things. Uh, it does. They don't. They don't. They don't tell you about this, this forgiveness, and saying in confessing, or if you don't want to confess, it doesn't matter they 've never come they 've only come up with that when it was with us uh, as a race, uh, so you 've got to ask yourself really, what are we doing? Uh, Do you see what i mean uh, if that may, I hope that makes sense, but if it doesn't you can you can point out where i 'm going wrong
0: yeah okay, okay maybe uh,
2: no, I just want to say that uh, I think my only response to that is like, when does it stop if we keep perpetuating? like a level of violence i'm all for accountability and to the extent you know how that happens i mean there's different ways that societies have tried not all of them are successful
0: Mm. but
2: i i'm not saying let's not hold people accountable i'm just saying Mm. actually if we take a violent route where does it end because violence begets more violence and the problems we have were created by a, a certain style and level of thinking if we don't move above that Mm. and try to think from our higher selves or from how can we do things differently we are likely whether it's in you know 50 years or 100 years we'll end up in the same position
1: were you gonna say something Mm -hmm.
2: yeah
0: i see south africa in two fronts i think the first is it's a bit of a complicated story in the sense that uh, the people who are also fighting for, you know, that rainbow station, uh, rainbow nation, we have to ask, you know, who is being, who needs to be included here, right? And who? who, Who, who is being kicked out and who is, who is being told they are not in the right place and who needs to be brought in? And I say this because even the people who we perceive ought not to be there, also call that place home and that's why I, I am a bit indifferent because i also i can't relate to that point where somebody can come to your house and claim they want a stick in it but they don't belong there right mm-hmm. or it's not originally theirs right they took it by force mm-hmm. that's a reality right mm-hmm. but the generation of who is there now and i think when she pointed out the truth and reconciliation commission yes it's important to reconcile acknowledging that there are wrongs that have been done on one part of the society and they need to be compensated you know and being given what is right for theirs mm-hmm. but also dealing with also that acknowledgement that there are also people who didn't fight didn't contribute to the you know to those Inequalities, you know, like the native, let me say, or white native, the generation that followed the, you know, the the, the the preceding generation, and they are not at fault, right? Although they still benefit from Thank that you. system, that's, yes. That's the key, yeah. isn't it? Yes, because but they are not at fault, you know, you know, per se, right? It's um, the same thing with the royals, though, isn't it? Yeah. You're saying that
1: wasn't Prince Charles, you're right it wasn't, it wasn't his policy, it may not have even been his mother's policy. Yes. But we know the British enforced apartheid, the Dutch just carried it out, the yes. just carried it out. Yeah. But what, the thing is, is that you're not going to give back the wealth though, are you? Because you know it was ill-gotten gains. Mm-hmm. So there's a law in England that if I buy something that's stolen, yes and then you buy it yes. and then she buys it it has to go to seven different hands yes before it can go back it doesn't have to go back to the rightful owner yes so if they can acknowledge that just in their own law mm-hmm. why can't they acknowledge it on the bigger scale uh, do you understand yes they You've got need to look to, yeah. at the hypocrisy and of what what they see and how they see it yes because otherwise it's like what happens you, you're People see them. Yeah, you get pacified, mm. but really, it's not. Yep, it's not acceptable.
0: No, no. They, they need rightfully. I yeah. That the wealth and what was taken and the reparations they need to give them back. There's no. I, the Jews call it. Sorry. All Jews got compensated for Hitler. Yeah,
1: exactly. They got billions. Yes. yes. Billions and billions. Yeah. Ridiculous amount of money.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't deny that needs to be done, but. I think I'm more of a, on a soft board and say, yeah, you need to find a common ground and where everybody would get rightfully what is theirs right and compensate it. So that conversation wouldn't be easy, right? Yeah. But from history, you've always seen nobody will, nobody even the current holders of that capital, they won't hand it over easily.
1: Yeah, of course. You it, probably it have taken
0: it by force. Yeah, thank you. you. Know? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 by force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You,
1: you won't... That's the, sound, that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Because I they pacif- I mean, pacify you using those words. Nah, we should all get along, Rainbow Nation, all those things. Mm. But what they're really saying is just just keep them calm, keep yes. them okay, and we'll just carry on as we are. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But in reality, if you look at it, it's like why should you be at their beck and call and have to come over here to study yeah. why can your not universities be as just as good if not better mm. because all their riches is coming from your place anyway yeah sure. do you understand mm. but you're saying you know it's like it's, that's not how it should be yeah, yeah DRC the richest country in the world mm. but look at them
0: true yeah it's yeah? true yeah we are not getting for the price and actually i just remember the other day when the u.s was announcing that their green technology right Mm -hmm. they actually did something that was quite interesting and they said that you know for you to invest in this technology you have to ensure that a lot of like and this is in the example of cars like uh, electric cars you know for the government for instance to fund it all the technology and everything has to be manufactured and produced in the in the country right so they're also trying to grab so we shouldn't feel ashamed of saying this is ours and we are going to govern on how we are going to manage it right Mm -hmm. so if it's resources we should be able to be in that position to make all those rules and not being told how to manage our own resources you know
1: i think we need to take a leaf out of china's book Yes. When you do close, <laughs> no, you do close your doors to the rest of the world yeah. and you start to educate your own and sort out your own and whether you, co- you copy, you, you don't worry about uh, patent rules. Yeah. You just get a car and you copy it and you learn how to develop yourselves and do things yourselves. Yeah. Because I'm tired of always Africa being told what they can do and what they can't
0: do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Mm. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. And it started by being told like whatever you have is worthless, right? Yeah, or everything
1: about you is worthless. Yeah, yeah, told. exactly.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's where somebody starts chipping you off everything that you have, you know, and being able to control and manipulate you. Right, mm. you know.
2: What is interesting to me is how clearly people whose countries have been freer for longer have a lot stronger stance in this way, mm. and again speaks to the development journey of like slowly maybe I guess having a different feeling or realizations of, oh, okay, this is <laughs> this no, is not quite how it works. Remember, um,
1: as Caribbeans, we we, well, we got our independence later, right? but we've been w- embedded, immersed with them for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. So we know their ways, we know things. So we can't, I wouldn't say we've got one up on you guys and knowing really their behavior but mm. when we're telling you something mm. it's like look because you think about it, the Caribbeans and the black diaspora from the black americans mm. were on the same page yeah we are talking about pan-africanism from early 1900s before mm. for like around the first world war time yeah mm. that wasn't even heard of in africa mm. do you understand it's only now the younger side with social media say yes start talking talk about pan-africanism mm. there's a very good educated guy from Zim uh-huh. that talks about it and you've got Versi. there's a, what's it, Versi? Temple uh, Yes, I can't yeah. then yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, Who he, he I, I follow him all the time, I listen uh, to every word he uh, thinks, but, yeah. you know, my thing is, at the end of the day, we shouldn't have to share yeah. what is out, yes. if we want to do things with people that's different, uh-huh. we shouldn't have to be sharing. You can't tell me what I should accept or what I shouldn't accept. It's mine to do as i please. Do you see what I
0: mean? And even if we share, let's share in our own terms. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And that's what it it comes down to. Because that's what everybody in this world uh, do. Yeah, uh, none
1: of the other cultures share.
0: Yeah.
1: They don't. Think of, we're here, but how many people do you see of us up to a certain thing? Look at America. Uh, America's biggest export is music. Yes. 99.9% 99.9% by black people.
0: Yes. But
1: what do black people get from that music? 0.003%. Yeah. Because
0: Think of that. And product. then if you
1: say something like Kane West, they make you, they drop you from a billionaire down to a multimillionaire in a heart overnight.
0: Mm.
1: True. Because you have no power, you have no grounding, yeah. because it's not really your place.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's why you don't do Rainbow Nation have your own. <laughs> Look at it. i was <laughs> no, just
2: wondering where is our place
1: then? Well, your your place is uh, well. You you can go anywhere in the world. To me, I believe in the world is God's world. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you have your home. Uh-huh. It's like a mall. Uh-huh. London's like a mall because they've made it like a mall. So they've been everywhere.
0: Yeah. yeah?
1: <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh-huh. do you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's been very interesting talking to you guys.
0: Very, very interesting. This is the first time I'm seeing a, yeah, a podcast. Uh,
1: I'm going to scan this, so at least... Uh, yeah, well, to be honest, because this is Pan-African conversation, I'm going to put it on my other podcast, which is called Africa Investor Stories.
0: All right. Okay.
1: We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day, as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.